For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high-quality meats. And now, we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, aka the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Shoes makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. The Booty Bus is an adventure natural boudoir experience. I like to call it an experience because it's so much more than a photo shoot. Um, so I travel around the country working with women and non-binary individuals through empowering like self-love photography. You can't say Dr. Mo ain't tell ya. The fear magnifies the consequences of failure. What are you scared of? Why are you afraid? I'd rather live like I'm dying than live to die. Any day my heart is pure, my soul is safe. Sarah, welcome to Perpetual Motion. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, yeah, you and me both are talking about a booty bus. It just doesn't get any better than that on a Saturday morning. <laughs> I know, right? What a way, great way to wake up. Absolutely. Let's get it off and popping. So booty bus, what is it? What is that about? Yeah, so I um, kind of I came up with this idea um, a little over a year ago, and um, the booty bus is an adventure natural boudoir experience. I like to call it an experience because it's so much more than a photo shoot. Um, so I travel around the country working with women and non-binary individuals through empowering like self-love photography. Um, and boudoir, if your listeners don't know what boudoir is, um, like the traditional word is, is Think of those like pinup shots, like very high, highly done makeup, mm-hmm. really extreme outfits and shoes and hair. And that type of boudoir has never spoken to me personally. And so I decided to create this separate experience that is all about coming to the camera as your authentic self. So you can choose to wear makeup if you'd like, but I invite you to come natural and just enjoy the process of falling in love with your body for exactly where you are right now. Self-love photography, what a beautiful, beautiful thing because you're right so often. I think we're kind of trained with that from, you know, childhood, the little school pictures and uh, it's all about the show and sending it off to people and putting it up on the wall and the grandma get it and to do it just to, you know, dwell on ourselves and think about it. I don't want to say dwell, but to do anything for ourselves, honestly, as women and the, and the nurturing and the caring or, and it doesn't just have to be women, but so many of us are, are, givers and don't really appreciate we appreciate everyone but ourselves so I I respect your mission a lot you mentioned boudoir photography and I meant to google this and I forgot but was it always because I think of of boudoir as and I might be mispronouncing it that's not my second language mine is Spanish you're doing great no you're doing great doing all right doing all right um I always thought of it as I, I heard it used two ways in regards to that photography, but also as kind of a, an area or a space that was, this is my boudoir. So does that, is there actually, did the photography come from that? Yeah. Uh, so I think word, boudoir, like, what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think like the meaning of boudoir, I don't know, like the exact definition but a boudoir is like that bedroom like that's kind of what it yeah so like bedroom photography and again like the traditional word of boudoir like a lot of people are like have come to the camera before to do this for a partner they're like well I want to do this and that's perfectly fine you get to do Mm -hmm. 
boudoir for whatever you want. But um, like you were talking about, women don't do enough for themselves. And so I really, I, I challenge them to do this more for themselves rather than a partner. And it's actually pretty easy. I don't even have to challenge them because most of the women, I would say like 98% of the shoots that I've done, mm -hmm. when I ask them why they're coming to me, why they're here, they're like, you know, especially with COVID, you know, I really just haven't loved my body over the past few years. I've, I've, I've gained some weight or I've kind of lost myself in this time when we were like separated from each other. And, um, so this is really a time for, I, I try to hold that space for them to come in into a safe space that is non-judgmental where they can just be themselves. There's absolutely no pressure to wear a certain sexy outfit. There's no pressure. It's just a really, um, inviting experience, just trying to get them to, to, to fall in love with themselves on a deeper level, like a more spiritual level and understand that photography isn't about, especially this type of photo session. This mm -hmm. isn't about capturing your outer beauty. This is mm -hmm. really about like trying to have your soul come through the photographs. Oh my goodness. That, that there's so much there that is so important. I just looked up boudoir and it's a woman's bedroom or private room. So you know, in the olden days, back in caveman times when I was born, I think this kind of, <laughs> I think that's kind of the way we used it. So my son, yes, yes. Uh, when he first mentioned it to me, I was a little bit confused because he very much associated with just that type of photography. So now I've kind of got an idea that it emerged from that. But again, it doesn't have to be. I've, I've seen your gallery or portfolio it's beautiful so it Thank doesn't you. for those of you who are new to this kind of like me it doesn't have to be in a bedroom or private room but it's a it's a style yeah. that you described and yeah. so you and you've touched on this already but we are really getting more into thank goodness finally self-care and self-love for you why is that important and I know you focus on women uh, particularly, and we're going to talk about yeah. that as well. But why why is that self-love and, and seeing the beauty on the inside of you important? Um, you know what? So I think that this is this is going to be a little bit selfish of me, but I have really struggled with this my entire life. Like I so like I turned to this in a way to, I think, help myself understand why I struggle with this so much. Um, I've struggled with eating disorders and body dysmorphia, and I've always been very hard on myself, whether that's with my career or my body image or how I look. And so I would say that the process really started like maybe a year and a half ago to two years ago, I started to separate out my self-worth from how I, how I looked on the outside, my physical attractiveness. And I tell you what, the amount of pressure and relief and realization that like, I am worth so much more than who I see in the mirror. Like I am so far beyond just a, a, a number on the scale or how much weight I can push at the gym. And I think that that whole process of separating out my self-worth from my attractiveness all of a sudden gave me this freedom to really become who I wanted to be because I stopped focusing so much on, on what I looked like. And for a long part of my like young adult life, like I was obsessed with like, I got my hair done, my nails done, my, my eyelashes done, my eyebrows done, nothing. Again, I just want to reiterate, there's nothing wrong with that, but I was putting all this time into things that like, I felt like were making me feel better. Like what a lot of people would consider self-care. And I still do mm -hmm. get my nails done and I still do little things like but that. For different reasons. Yes. For right. different reasons, for different That's reasons. It. Um, but for a long time, it almost, it felt like a chore. Like I would spend like an hour and a half doing my makeup and hair every day. And it just was like, everything was such a chore because I felt like I had to. And once I kind of released that and allowed myself to just be who I am and stop focusing so much on what I looked like and just started turning inward. And for me, that meant I really had to, had to look at myself and see like who, like what legacy do you want to live behind? Because when you die, I mean, I won't say for no one, people don't remember what you look like. They remember how you treated people and how you acted. Mm. And so I decided that I wanted to learn how to love people better. And I wanted to 
make small differences in people's lives just by being like as, as positive as possible. So, um, one of the the things that I really focus on is not trying to change the world. I'm not trying to like make a huge shift. What I'm trying to do is like make small micro adjustments in women's lives to just help them see themselves in a better light. So like small, positive, small, positive, you know, aspects, not, not like a, I don't look at the big picture. I just each day I'm like, okay, what can you do today to make one person's life a little bit more positive or a little bit better? Hello. Hello. That, oh, you, you just, yeah, all in my tea here. I, uh, <laughs> I feel the same way, you know, it, yeah. A million followers is great, but are you really reaching anybody? Are you impacting anybody? If you can, if you can to that one person and it's the yeah. right person and it ripples not only throughout them, but for generations, if that right person is, is Gandhi or, or, you know, Martin Luther King or Hillary for that matter, that might upset some people, but I'm just thinking about people who have really, really changed lives and influenced people. And you know that there was somebody who influenced them. They didn't just yeah. come here like that. Somebody yeah. Yeah. Barbara Jordan, one of my favorite people, you, people don't think about what it would, it took for them to become the person they are. And you are helping people become the person they're supposed to be and look at themselves that way. Now you did use, you did uh, allude to have embodied dysmorphia. And I want to just clarify on that. Cause I, I'm, I know that it's like a deformity or abnormality and not trying so, to get your business, but what do you mean by it? So body dysmorphia, for me at least, the way that I'm referring to it as is it was within the eating disorder okay. sector. Okay. So I'm um, really not able to accept what I'm seeing in the mirror. And um, there's the song that I always go back to is that Halsey song when she's like, I pinched some skin in between my two fingers and wish I could cut it off with some scissors. Mm-hmm. And that song has spoken to me ever since mm-hmm. it's come out because every time, and one of the things about my bus, I don't have any mirrors in the bus. The only mirrors I have are the ones that are attached to the bus, like the rear view mirror and my side mirrors, but I have no other mirrors in my bus because I found that it is so damaging to, to myself. Cause every time I look in a mirror, I'm constantly putting out my flaws. So even though I speak this big game of self-love, I still struggle with it daily. Like I, yeah, I, I, it's still, I'm still a work in progress. Yeah. And like, I completely recognize that. And this, and honestly, this journey of doing the boudoir photography and, and helping women and non-binary individuals come to the camera and love themselves authentically helps them just as much as it helps me. Like it really has been eye-opening and the way that I speak to other people and the way that I view other people as being such beautiful individuals and humans, not just for their Mm -hmm. outward appearance. Um, Sometimes I'm like, Sarah, you need to like talk to yourself the same way that you talk to your clients. So yeah, I I have convicted myself because when I was coaching people, I'm like, oh, I need to work on that. (laughs) Note to self, but it's so easy to to preach it, but, but to live, it can be a different thing. Or just to remind yourself when you get, it's yes, when you get off course, because we're so busy and we despite good intentions end up putting ourselves on the back burner and you're reminding women to you know oh, yeah. put their oxygen mask on first to to coin a phrase I'm glad you said that about the body dysmorphia <laughs> I like that I like that <laughs> I, I like that because one of my goals with this every episode I want people to go go away with a, you know a new idea a new strategy a new tips, something that will elevate their life, elevate their business, some new information or a reminder. And I really relate to that body dysmorphia because I had, I don't know if I share with you or not, but I have a rare form of cancer and my stomach was removed and I went down four sizes in clothing, lost in clothing, lost a lot of weight in a very short period of time. I just could not eat. I had to learn to eat again. Like people learn to walk again. Yeah. And Sarah, before I did not understand people with anorexia and, you know, other types of issues. I'm like, how can you look in the mirror and think that you are large? I just, it wasn't a judgment. It was just a curiosity yeah, yeah. not being able to do it, but it was probably 
four years before I could accept, I kept all my clothes. The tailor told me they can't, you know, we can't shrink these anymore. And I kept my clothes. I don't think I've even talked about this before, but I kept, I had quite a wardrobe because I speak a lot and do different things. I just kept them in every few months. I would try something on because I thought I can wear it now. Just, I don't know where that came from. But I just felt like, and then I would be literally surprised and disappointed that the clothes were just falling off of me because in the yeah. mirror, I saw the person of the size that I was. And the only time I would recognize that I was then a two, I've worked my way up to a four after 10 years, but I was then a, a two was when I was standing next to other people in photos. And then it was just so very obvious that you're 18 again, and you're, you know, probably not gonna ever be. Yeah. But that was, and I was in my fifties and then I understood, okay, these people see something totally different. Me, I see something totally different than other people See, my best friend finally came and I was like, okay, I'm going to leave the house. When I come back, please just have taken all this stuff away because I emotionally could not do it, could not let go of that part of me. And now I'm good. I got little clothes to go with me and I'm rocking them. (laughs) It took a minute. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that body dysmorphia, honestly, I mean, I can't speak to like, to to history on it but i think that so much of that comes from like social media because we have all these filters now so like it's so easy to distort your body so quickly if you're not happy with the piece right. of it and that's so damaging because like we should be conditioned to love ourselves for exactly. who we are however we are doing so far the reverse of that we are like throwing on 30 second filter after 30 second filter and like i know i try really hard to not filter my own videos mm-hmm. at all. Like every now and then I'm like, man, I've got some bad acne. I just want to throw a blur on there. But I try right. not to, like, even though I, I get embarrassed because I'm like, what if people like because of my acne, what if people don't think I'm taking care of myself? Like all these little things, you know? Yeah. That internal dialogue is weird. Yes. But I'm gonna just say for me though, and and I like this uh that so many of my guests are younger than I am and bring other perspectives to it. That wasn't the thing to Thing with me it was yeah, psychological yeah. and emotional I could care less about filters and people do it for me but I don't I will go on just like I look <laughs> I could care less about that so I'm yeah. not saying I don't see it but and I think a lot of people overdo it with the eyes and the hair and all of that you know that build a Barbie song I'm like that's too much you're doing too much oh but yeah yeah for yeah me it was really on a psychological level. I mean, I had to get yeah. some counseling. I had to get some help about it. Not And not because of social media. I just could not let go of that person that I was. And I'm sure that the help, you know, I know that the help part of that too, because that was such a transition for me. Yeah. But, and I'm saying that to say, and it's not even a generational thing, but there are so many different things that are impacting oh, the way we see ourselves. And oh, our, yeah. As usual, I have hijacked your your uh, conversations. Oh no no no! Please keep, <laughs> keep going, please. I think I, I like the dialogue. I like going back and forth, and I just feel like I'm talking to a friend. Is my I know I'm very relaxed right now. I'm very relaxed. This is only this is only my third podcast, and I still get kind of nervous. So. What? Yeah, you are a freaking pro. And I wish we had done video (laughs) guys because I'll have her on the clip art and you hear her talking about body dysmorphia and filters and stuff. But she looks like she's getting ready to go on the runway and a wind tour would be calling going, hey, I got a contact (laughs) for you. So and, and that's really the way it is that we don't always see that and you're helping again with your booty bus photography. You're helping people see that. So what, what is your background? We've talked about you being a photographer and, and yeah. what, what, how did you come to this? Okay. So I'm going to give you a really quick, short story because it, no, no, it, give me a long story. Okay, fine. I'll <laughs> give you a long story. <laughs> so I, um, you would think from my, from my upbringing that I would have just kind of become a photographer. My father's a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been around photography. However, it was never an interest to mine of mine until I got into high school and had a near-death experience. 
So I, I marched in um, marching band. I played saxophone and I was running back to my spot in marching band. I was in a very competitive marching band. So if you, the, the, the group, the section that got back to their spot first got an extra 30 seconds of a water break. So we're I'm all like, this. I know, I know they don't, they do not do that anymore. They don't do that anymore after this. It sounds like but, a Nazi camp or something. That's crazy. Listen, we placed high. We were, we were a good I marching bet you band. They, good. Yes. They definitely instilled a lot of discipline in us. When people are like, marching band's not athletic. Athletic, I'm like, oh, yes, you didn't it go is. to my high school. <laughs> yes, it is. You're leading all of um, it. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> exactly. And um, yeah, so I was running back to my spot and fell on my saxophone and <sighs> cut my spleen in half. Yeah. Cut your spleen? So, in half? Yeah, I cut is my that spleen what you said? Yeah. That was yeah. deep. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. So uh, I was no longer allowed to march. I um, I had to take the season off. And I mean, I was pretty ill for about a month after that. It really took me a long recover time. Uh, I lost half my blood flow. Um, and it just really, it was just really traumatic. So I still wanted to go to band practice because like marching bands kind of like a cult. I shouldn't, I mean, I'm sure some people will understand that and get that, but other people might take offense, but it is like you, once you're in, you're in, and it's really hard. Like you spend all your time with these people. You're at band practice from 12, like for 12 hour days. And so I didn't want to lose my friendships. And they're really like, I didn't have any other friends that weren't in band. So I wanted to still be around my band family. So I would go to practices and instead of marching, I would take photos. And like the very smart. first two photos I took, huh? I said smart, smart. You were still engaged. You weren't just watching yeah. and, and feeling bad. You were still engaged. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I started photographing and, and the band loved it. And then I started photographing the football players and the cheerleaders. And I just became known as like the school photographer. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> which is awesome. So I literally fell into photography. That's uh, oh, oh like here's the best part though. Here's the best part. So my marching band are the way that we would like make money, like for fundraisers is we'd make these buttons and we made a button that had um, a saxophone with an X going through it. And it said, practice safe sax. <laughs> safe sax. <laughs> Which I just thought was really cute. Practice safe sax. So um, then I went to college for photography and graphic design and graduated. And then it took me a few years um, to start my own business. Mm -hmm. So I started my business about eight years ago. And um, that was primarily like really, I mean, for especially in the DC area, I started doing commercial work. So I started with like family portraits and a few things like that, but I really fell into doing a ton of commercial work. And what that looks like is a and, lot of editing because these are going into too. publications. Yeah, you know, I just have a great personality. You do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you really <do>. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, so I I became an editorial photographer. And what that looks like is is a lot of publications, a lot of magazines, mm -hmm. and people, because these are going to print like, you know, 25,000 magazines, people want to look perfect. And so I fell into what I never wanted to do, which was editing and retouching people's bodies. And I became known as the Photoshop queen. Like I can Photoshop anything. Any, and I love a good challenge. So, so I have to You dive in. You do something. You, oh, yeah. You I don't half-ass anything. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. And so um, I really like took this title and I wore it with like the opposite wearing it as a ba badge of pride, I like wanted to hide it. Like I didn't want anyone knowing that this is what I was good at because I was so embarrassed about it, but that's what I became known as. And so I finally like ethically and morally, what happened is I, I, I was like, I need to walk away from this. I'm depressed. I don't like what I'm doing. I feel like I'm adding to the problem. However, I was making a good bit of money in DC doing this. Okay. And then COVID happened and it wrecked mm -hmm. my business. And all of a sudden I realized I could live off of a lot less. And I'm like, wait a second, I could give up that work if I wanted to and live off of a lot less and figure out how, what I'm supposed to do now. 
So that brings me to today. So I still do a lot of publications. I still do a lot of editorial work, but I've actually been able to bring my influence into that sector. And so when I work with people um, for these shoots, I do very minimal editing. Um, and there are times that I have to retouch more because my my client is not, my client is the magazine. Right. And so if the client comes back and tells the magazine, like, I really need this edited. I need, I, my hands are tied. I have to edit it. it. However, I have made really large strides in, in, in being able to edit less and retouch less and help affect that whole system. Um, not as much as I'd like to still working on that, but, but you're trying to overcome doing the centuries of tradition, particularly Yes. In, in yeah. Photography. So any strides you're making are significant. Yeah. I didn't even know anybody was trying because when I look at the magazines that I get, uh, it's, you know, it's like, I know this 14 year old or 15 year old does not look like this. Yeah. Or I've seen this actress. I just saw her in a movie. I know she doesn't look like this, but, and it worries yeah. me for the same reason it yeah. worries I mean, you. Nothing you see nothing you see is real. That's the biggest, like, and I know that and the fact that I still have body body issues and I know what goes into retouching. Like I don't, it's insane. Um, so kind of the way that I I look at my business now is I have two different sides. I still have my editorial. I still have my publication. Mm -hmm. I still have my stuff that I need to retouch for, but in doing that, that pays me enough that I can now give back to my the type of work that I'm passionate about, which is my boudoir photography and Mm -hmm. all of my boudoir shoots that are on the road, they're all pay what you can. So it's accessible to anyone. There is absolutely no minimum. I do tell my clients, I tell them they are not, I have a few rules. My biggest rule is you cannot tell me how much you're paying me prior to the shoot. And I accept no money prior to the shoot. Mm -hmm. And normally I don't accept payment until um, they get the photos. But a lot of people I know personally, like I would do, I would be the same way. I like to pay for a service once it's done. Like I want to give you money after the photo, you know, like you've done your job, you've done the photo shoot. Let me pay you. So I don't accept any payment prior to the shoot. I don't allow them to tell me how much they're paying me because I want every shoot to be the exact same. They're all 45 minutes. I want every single person to feel like like someone who's paying $50 or someone who's paying $500. I don't want them to ever feel like I'm not giving them my best self. So it's not, it's not for I, you. It's not for you so that you, you know, it's not that you're going to feel some kind of way. You're doing it for them so that they don't feel like that's impacting you. That's what you're saying. I think it's both as much as I'd love to say that I have a big enough heart to not treat a shoot differently. I think that deep down, like if I knew I was getting paid less as much as I work against changing anything, you know, like, I feel like I, it would affect my work. Okay. So, um, yeah, yeah. And I'm very, okay. yeah, I'm self-aware. Like i still am a businesswoman. So in order for me to make sure all the shoots are equal, um, and they truly are pay what you can. And every single woman and non-binary individual gets the same Sarah Marcella. I make sure that I don't know how much I'm getting paid. And um, so, so far it's worked out really well. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's but to, to go back to um, the editorial stuff. So I still do that so that I can pay for like my healthcare and, <laughs> you know, like my monthly bills that cause pay what you can. Yeah. Cause pay what you can obviously. Um, doesn't necessarily like doesn't lead to support my my monthly bills. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how much I'm making every month. So I still keep those other shoots and I'm able to um I, I save up a lot of money and then I go on the road and I do the shoots that I care about. So that's like I still am doing, I'm still trying to make strides in the editorial right. world and and do less retouching, but I still do. I want to be completely honest and transparent. I still retouch from time to time, but whenever it comes to my boudoir sessions, the only retouching that I will do is if it's temporary. So a pimple or a bruise, if it's temporary, I will retouch it. Okay. But if it's something that's on your body permanently, scars, um, stretch marks, anything like that, it will not get retouched. And scars are part of the story of my life. I mean, I've got a huge one going down my abdomen. I've got 
you know, where I fell, where my cousin pushed me. And, it, you know, it's part of my yeah. memory, part of the, the gallery of my life. And I'm going to edit you real time here. I know when we're talking live, sometimes we just say things, but you said I still do my commercial stuff and then I go do the things that I care about. So just in case those commercial people are listening, I think I'm the same way. I have my personal passionate stuff that I'm passionate about, but I know you care about your day job too. Yes. What's going on on there? So I, oh, they, oh, trust me, my commercial clients. Yeah, they know they my I have a very 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 good relationship with my commercial clients oh, and they know oh. I bend over backwards for them and they do the same for me. So, I'm not really worried. I know my commercial clients and I'm very very open about how uncomfortable retouching makes me. Yeah. So, they already know my whole story and honestly, um my biggest commercial client is constantly trying to book me extra shoots and pay me more than than the anytime they have extra money coming in through the magazine for a shoot they send it straight to me you. because they're like we yes because they they know one that I take my work very seriously mm-hmm. they know that I'm passionate and they know that whoever shows up in front of the camera no matter who they are um one of the things that I do before every photo shoot is I sit down with the client for about 5 minutes and I ask them to either describe themselves in three words or what they would, what they'd like to portray in their photograph. So it's really important for me to have those three words so that I know um, how, like it takes away from just being a headshot. It takes away from just this being like your outer self again. And I'm like, all right, how do you want people? This is going into this magazine. If someone's going to look at your photo for five seconds, what are three words? Like, what do you want to come across? And so I take that time with all of my clients, including my boudoir clients. And so my commercial clients know, they know I care. I know. I know. I get it. Yeah. I I get it as as well. My my, uh, day job and, you know, the things I do as a creative and there's, there's a creative element in dentistry, but they're like, night and day, but I was born a, I was born a writer. I was born a communicator. I became the other things. And, um, you know, when yeah. we're doing what we were born to do or, or what we've, you know, we've traveled down this road and gotten to that place. It's, it's very exciting. And I don't understand businesses that are like, I've had, you know, friends who have had, you know, HR or the managers or whomever come to them and say, you know, we feel like you're not focused on, and that's, that's just something I want to throw in here additionally. And I love that you have a supportive employer because they'll come to them and like, you're not really focused. You're not devoted to the company. Like they want you to do that, you know, in your sleep, a hundred hours a week and giving people the opportunity to explore other avenues, have multiple streams of happiness, not just multiple streams of income, but multiple streams of happiness. Work can be draining, but when you're doing that thing, that other thing, whether it's fishing or bowling or photography from your booty bus, that thing is pouring into you and they don't get that part because they are work, 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 work people. But I need the other stuff so that I can be good for you when I'm doing the thing I do for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I think everyone has seen like a huge shift in my personality too. I'm just a much happier person now. Um, because I am doing something that I'm so passionate about. Yeah. I think that, um, it really like, I'm able to come to every shoot as my authentic self, Mm -hmm. as a photographer and not feel like I'm selling out anymore, you know, like, because, um, yeah. And I, I think I mentioned this before to you, but, um, some of my friends were asking like, so what about your clients here? Do you do any pay what you can for like your headshots or like, have you Mm -hmm. adjusted those prices? And I'm like, absolutely not. I've actually gone the other way. I'm very strict on my prices because now in order for me to supply my business with enough income for me to do the pay what you can, I have to be strict on my commercial clients. And my friend Jesse was like, huh, you're like the Robin Hood of photography. And I was like, oh, thanks, Jesse. I I was thinking that with your business model, I was getting ready to say that's that's kind of disruptive, especially for quality photography yeah you can get somebody who just picked up a camera and just decided they're gonna do this because they need an extra gig but 
what you're doing and, I, and I'm sure you're not overcharging. You're just insisting on getting your worth. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. Ordering and OK, I'll give you a discount and stuff. So yeah. good for you, the Robin Hood of photography, that needs to be your tagline some kind of way. I, don't know how I feel like it. it's a little I feel like it's a little boastful. So I don't know if I'm going to do that, but it has it has really um, it's made me it's made me very appreciative and it's made me like understand and respect money more. And for a really long time, I would, I have uh, let some clients not pay me what I deserve because I, if they're questioning it, then I, I start to question it myself. And I'm like, well, maybe that's, maybe I shouldn't be getting paid this much. Like maybe they're right. Maybe I am too expensive. And then I like, at the end of the day, I'm like, no, Sarah, you have thousands, you have invested thousands thousands of dollars into this. You have a degree in this. Someone isn't going to go to, you know, I can't think of an occupation, but artists are so questioned because it's so subjective, you know, like it's not like you're going and getting a blood test done and like, it's, you know what I mean? It's so in the hours people, you know, they don't value the time. Like you said, thousands thousands of hours. learning the craft, spending time with other professionals so that you get better at it, getting all that feedback and adjusting so that you can be better. All of that has value. And I think women, from what I understand from statistics and the billions of articles that I read, we're we're a lot worse about that, that am I imposter questioning myself, you know, should I ask for this? And then we're perceived as demanding when we just want fair. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I I hate that. That bothers me. I, I get that as a speaker. Well, they're going to be, you know, what you just donate. They're going to be a lot of important people here. I'm like, I'm important. I'm uh, yes. I don't know. You know, I did that when I was younger. Oh, this may lead to something. No, I need to be paid for right now. And if it leads to something, that's oh, yeah. great, too. But I am no longer giving away my professional services, my intellectual property. I've I've earned the right to be paid. And I I remember my last, the one when I put my foot down a few minutes ago, I was the only female speaking. And then I found out that all the men had been paid their fee and they had asked me to speak for free for the exposure girl. Luckily, I found that out. If your listeners could see my face right now, if your listeners could see my face, I just had to pick my jaw up off the ground. And the thing is, is I shouldn't even be surprised because that's true. It's so true. We are just not taken as seriously as women. And like, I think that people see us as like nurturing and it's like, well, why won't you donate? And I will Mm -hmm. donate my time to certain causes. I've got certain charities. Oh yeah. I have certain ones that I've been working with for years Mm -hmm. and I am more than happy to shoot for them for free. But then like, also like no, non like no one should ever just come to you and expect it. Right. Like, or expect a discount. And I'm like, I don't need, do you, exposure does not pay my bills. You know what pays my bills is cash money, honey. Cash money, just like yeah. you and everybody else, girl. I was, I was crushed. I had it took me a minute. I, I, and I gave oh, a hell of a speech, got a standing ovation, and then I found that out afterwards as we were kind of mixing and mingling. I, oh, but it, it yeah. hasn't happened again. Trust me. Good. It was lesson learned. Good. Yes. It was lesson yes. learned. So anyway, we're just going down all kind of little side uh, avenues. I'm loving this. I am loving this now. You said everyone can see how much happier you are. You're definitely glowing. You got a lot of energy, but you've got someone in particular who can see how much happier you are. Even though you're on that bus by yourself, do you mind sharing a little bit about your personal life? You shared that with me. Yeah. So my, are you talking about my partner? Yes. Yeah. So uh, my fiance is. Um, oh, congratulations! I didn't realize you guys so, were engaged. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Woo, black. I know. Wait, wait. I, know, I need right? to change. I know. Right. Yeah. So wow. my fiance and I. We've been together. How you do? You even hold your hand up? My goodness. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> I know. I love. She proposed to me in the most incredible way too. Um, so obviously I'm very, I, I like, I prefer to wear limited clothing. I love being okay, nude. Clothing I love being nude. Uh-huh. Exactly. And yeah. Um, yeah, she proposed to me in uh steamboats 
Steamboat Springs at a clothing option hot spring. And I was butt ass naked and there was a full moon. And she's like, she knew it was the right time to propose. She's like, I knew you would love to be naked when I proposed in public. And I was like, done. Yes, absolutely. You know me so well. Um, but yeah, no. I'm yours for life. Yeah. Well, congratulations yeah. about that. Thank you. Yes, Thank you. Um, but yeah, so my partner, um, she does not have the type of occupation that she can go on the road with me. So this mm-hmm. is completely a solo journey. Um, and so she's in the Marine Corps and she's been deployed for the past few months. Mm-hmm. And so while she's been deployed, we got rid of our apartment and I've got our two pit bulls and I've been traveling the country with our two pit bulls and um, doing my thing. But she she has seen a huge change in me over the past few years. I, so when I met her, um, I met her in October of 2017 and in June of 2017, I actually was going through a divorce. I was married to a man with him for 10 years, um, married Mm -hmm. for five together. I married my high school sweetheart. And finally I couldn't do it anymore. And so, um, it was the right decision for both of us. Mm -hmm. Um, and I met Morgan a few months later um, thank God for Tinder. We, it was just supposed to, yeah, Tinder, man. I tell you what, she showed up to her date, our date, and I fell off my chair. I was like, oh. So first, it, so it was instant. instant. Oh, yeah. It was instant. Like, she walked in, and I was, yeah, I was, I was, I was struck. I was struck. Um, so, she's and it's really always seen... nice, too, when the, when the, conversation because I'm I'm single as well I've had that happen but then the conversation just dampens everything that I felt initially but when the conversation compliments it and yes oh you are she's like she's super 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 mysterious she doesn't overshare Uh it takes her a really long time so our relationship has really been we have a very working relationship like we have to work hard because we are so different wait, wait um, no Sarah we all do we I know that's very true all. that's very Even true we're not different yes <laughs> that's work. no that's very it's true <laughs> that's very true um but she is not she is very stoic she is very she does not love quickly it takes her a long time but once she does love she is like she is incredibly loyal. She gives you her whole heart, but it takes time to like get to know her. Like we about a year and a half in, I told her, I was like, I feel like I still only know like 30% of you. And she's like, you do, you've only known me a year and a half. Like you still have my whole life, like my whole backstory to learn. And I'm like, I'm the type of person that by week number three, I'm like, and here's my social security number. And this is where I was born. And here's my birth chart. We are are oversharers. Yeah. And then in kindergarten, and the guy was sitting behind me just, yeah, I'm just, I'm just vomiting up my life. but I, I understand and other yeah. people are like, and they listen, they take it in and it takes you to realize, wait, so, you, you yes. don't tell me anything. <laughs> but it's so, and we have such a balanced relationship mm-hmm. because of it. And it's just this beautiful partnership. Like it really is a beautiful partnership and we just care about each other so much I feel like it's, it's so much deeper than like romantic. I don't know. I, it's hard to explain, but we've been through so much together. Yeah. We've been through so much together. And so she's really seen me grow into the woman I am. She met me when I was like a baby gay and like just came out and like, didn't really know. I was like, still getting, I was still like learning how to walk as a gay person, you know, just like baby steps. And now she's seen me grow into this like confident woman. And like, she, we have these conversations a lot. And one of the things that we've talked about is she didn't really understand why I did pay what you can. She feels like I'm undervaluing myself Mm -hmm. until she listened to the first podcast I was on. And I guess I just had never correctly articulated to her why this is so important to me. And so after the first podcast, uh, which I did talk about her a little bit. So I was like, what was your favorite part? And I thought for sure she was going to say something about her. And she's like, you know, my favorite part was pay what you can. And this is something that we've always disagreed. Yes, I know. Yeah. But this is something we've always disagreed on is the pay what you can. Uh She's like, I finally understand. I finally understand why you do this. And 
That was huge. That was huge. Cause I had never heard her say that before. And yeah. a lot of people I think do think that I'm undervaluing myself. And like, I think other photographers too kind of see me as like possibly detrimental to photography because I am a professional published photographer. Mm-hmm. I do have a very, um, a, a very good following, but I'm not do, like, I'm, I, this is something different for me. This is not like, I, I know what I, I know what I'm worth and I know what I get paid mm-hmm. when it's not a passion project, but this is, this is something that is so like innate in my soul. I just feel like every single woman should have the experience because boudoir is so healing. It's like, so transformative. I think that's the best word for it. It's so transformative and it's only in 45 minutes, but every single woman I've worked with is like, they come back and they're like, I love myself so much, like on such a deeper level. I had no idea I was that beautiful. I had one woman who was convinced I edited her photo. She's like, you had to have retouched me. I'm like, no, like I will show you. No. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yes. And I'm like, no, I have not retouched your photo. And she did not believe me, did not. And Finally, I was like, listen, I'm going to show you their originals so that you know I didn't touch anything. Yes. Like wow. when I say no editing, I do edit like lighting and colors because oh, sure. I personally like it to no, be like a little moody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like so sometimes I like I don't like my greens to be as green as they are. I like mm-hmm. to take a little bit of that yellow out. It makes the skin look a little bit warmer. Mm-hmm. So like I do that type of editing, but I don't do retouching. So um Anyways, getting back to my incredible partner. Um, <laughs> I could talk about her for hours. Um, but yeah, so she's she's definitely seen me go through this whole process and um, and and been there as a very supportive partner. And it's amazing that she has because I was a total, I, I was not at a place to have a relationship when I bought the bus. Mm-hmm. I poured everything in my soul into building this bus. I poured everything into my soul into getting this business up and running. And because of that, I was not the partner that she needed at that time. And thank God she stuck w- through it. We we really we made we had to do a lot of like work whenever I finally finished and we finally like had some really difficult conversations so and it again balance in there with your with your time and stuff because I'm, I'm a very oh yeah person too and when I get into a project I mean you know it's like Mo you need to go to school. oh stop I have ADHD I have yeah. ADHD and my entire natal chart is like Capricorn like I'm a Pisces but I have a ton of Capricorn so I am like I am full send. I do not, I can't half-ass anything. I can't like everything. It's like my entire heart's in it, or I am not interested at all. That's a spirit of excellence. Somebody told me that recently, because I've gotten, I like that you get get criticized about it, but yet people like the results. They like, you know, being a part of what you're doing. They want to know about it, but then what about me? And the thing is, you get these results, whether it's in the relationship and your photography or wherever, because you're committed and passionate and 100 percent. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there are too many people just slacking and being content with mediocrity. And there's something I think if you're. Between. Yeah, I think <laughs> if you're self-aware about it, because I think yes. it can be damaging to relationships around you. So, like, I know that personally, I have done a lot of like inner work and like mm-hmm. have realized balance. Um, one of the things that I know is really important to Morgan is when we sit down at the end of the day, I used to edit photos while oh, we no, watch TV. No. Technology oh, yeah. off. Everything oh, yeah. off. Well, she, so we'd like watch our TV show together and I'd be like, or we'd watch a movie together. And I'd be like, do you mind if I just edit some photos? Cause like, I am such a multitasker. Mm-hmm. I like, I can't just like sit and watch a show. I'm like, Oh my God. What a muscle. So many things could be going hands. on. <laughs> right. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, there's so many things I should be doing. So I have a hard time like relaxing and turning my brain off. And after five years, I can successfully say, I don't think I've ever made it through a movie, but I can make it through a TV show or two without That's doing good. something. That's yeah. Good. So I think, I think just being self-aware and knowing right. that like, if you are a full send person, if you are a very passionate person, recognizing that when you are getting into those states and like being like having those conversations with your partner, be like, listen, I totally get it. Like I tell her, I'm like, listen, I know that I'm not as available to you as I should be right now, but right. this is why. And just having that conversation allows your partner to see like, 
oh, this isn't something I'm doing. It's not that she loves me any less. It's that she's in her let's fucking go mode. Sorry, mm-hmm. let's go mode. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. And, and yeah. for me, I learned to compartmentalize and I'm a planner. And what I wasn't doing was planning things. And it's been some years since I've made this shift and I, I'm constantly watching myself, but I literally put on my calendar every amount of time we're going to lunch. I'm planning things in advance. And that also makes me, when I'm doing my work time, that I'm doing that work thing because I know this yep. weekend we're going to be gone for three days and I'm not touching anything. I'm not doing any work yep. unless it's an emergency. And when I didn't do yes. that, every little space would just get filled. And yeah, people are going to be resentful. It's like everything is more important than me. But when they see, oh, yeah. this is your time, you got me 200% and, you know, answer the yep. calls and the texts and just not really just not ignoring people. And I had to learn all of that. It was like, yes. yeah, I call them back. You know? <laughs> but you don't want to be treated yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, so, totally. Cool. Cause we have yeah. with everything. Yeah, yeah. Okay, your self-love, your booty bust, your photography. We're talking about relationships. Come on now. Come on now. Give us some thumbs up and some likes and some comments because this is this is good stuff right here. I don't know what you thought was going <laughs> to happen, but this is full spectrum living your best life right here. Let's jump back on your bus. So to be clear, I've been rambling. Haven't been as structured as I could be, but you know what? I don't care. Do what I want. And so (laughs) you, commercial photographer, amazing background, and decided to pursue your passion and start your own business and uh, pay as you go, which is wonderful and amazing. Keep doing it. I don't care what people say. They can say what they want to. But you mentioned about working on the bus and how hard it was. Did you have any help? Are you a mechanic too? Yeah. In addition to saxophone and photography? Oh my goodness. What don't you do? Um, I would love it if I could be a mechanic. So um, I did have some help. I had a friend, um, Elizabeth, helped me mm-hmm. build out in Alexandria. She was a huge help. We So a lot of the stuff that I did, the bus was already about 70% built out when I bought it. Hated, hated the build. So ripped everything they did out. Everything. Just w- took it and was like, no. So then started the blank slate. I left in was the floor. So I left in the floor and was like, okay, now let's go. And I repurposed a lot of my furniture. So like my, I used to have like a platform bed in my apartment. Mm-hmm. I took apart the platform bed and those are now my shelves in the bus. Oh, smart. Wow. Yeah. And then my bed in the back is actually an Ikea bed that we cut down to fit into that space. How big and is then, this bus? It's, oh, it's literally like a school bus bus. You're not, it's I'm 30, thinking minivan. You, when you no, say no, no. bus, it's a bus. It's, hold on. I'm going to, I'll, let me just pull up a picture real quick while I've, I've got you here and I'll show you, but I'll send you, I'll send you some photos. Okay. Well, we'll um, no, she's a big the, girl. Uh, show notes in the, when we post this, because I don't know why in my head, I was kind of thinking, no, you she's, were in the, oh yeah, that's a bus. She's that's 30 a, feet. That's a yeah. Bus. She's, she's 30, 30 feet. feet. Y'all is, is white. She's got some graphics on the side. She's showing me. A, it actually says, time. so on the side, it says, um, honk if you love yourself on the one side. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, it says expose, empower, liberate, and love, which is my slogan. And then on the back, uh, which is my favorite, I've had on every car I've owned for like the past like 10 years. It says, I hope something good happens to you today on the back of my bus. So that's Uh, mostly. I like that double meaning. I like that double meaning of expose uh, on, on your slogan. Uh, yes, right. And the revolution. Yeah. I got that. I got that. Yeah, very nice. And it sounds like you know what that. Not only are you amazing, you got some wonderful skill sets that you're using to help others, but you've got some good supportive people in your life. You've got love in your life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this is a good time post COVID for you, for me as well. Some really good things are happening, but I just like, there's so many sad stories. There are so many people hurting and suffering. Oh, no. So it's really nice I, to hear. Yeah. I've met some really incredible people on the road too. And, um, in a few 
in a few months, I'm actually going to have a whole series of podcasts coming. Mm-hmm. Not series. It's going to be on one podcast, but it's a whole series about the bus. And I'm going to be sharing a lot of stories about some of the people I met. That's like scary. one of the stories is this guy. Yeah. So this guy rolled in on his lawnmower to a gas station I was at. And over the next two weeks, I came down to his house and he helped me put solar on. Like <sighs> literally went to this stranger's house. I just, I, but I think that it's important. Like not, I think stranger danger is important. Mm-hmm. However, there are really good, genuine, authentic people. And I think if you trust your gut and you listen to that and you're safe and, and smart about it, like I've met some really unbelievable people and it just, it's really, um, made me realize like humans are, I, I really do feel like humans are good. Like you, we, I feel like people primarily share the negative the negative on social media because it gets more likes, it gets more shares, but whenever it comes to the positive stuff, I feel like it kind of gets pushed down and you don't hear about it as much. So I am hoping that like talking about this and sharing some of the stories that I've had with people on the road and just how unbelievable, like I personally have found that most humans just want to help other humans. That's, that's been my personal experience. And I've had a few that aren't, but like, an overwhelmingly majority has been just awesome, awesome people. Yeah. So keep trusting and keep being open. And, and the the narcissists, the judgmental, the negative people are there. They will always be there, but they don't have to be part of your life. And oh. certainly not a reason to close yourself off. Just be open to the possibilities. And I, I live like that as well in his heart because I've been hurt. I've had some really horrible things done to me. And my natural inclination is I'm just not fooling with anybody anymore. Yeah, but my, yeah. my natural response, but my inclination, who I am is let's just go another way. Let's just keep meeting people. And don't forget all these wonderful people in your life because one really nasty person or experience can just make you paint everybody with that same brush. And there are really a lot of great, great people. There well, are, yeah. Is there anything else you want to share about what you're doing, what you want to do? Because this is um, fascinating. I'm loving this interview. Thank <laughs> well, this you. Conversation. This isn't even an interview. This is a conversation with my new friend, Sarah Marcella. <laughs> Um, I think the only thing I'd like to share is that in two weeks, I'm starting my cross country tour and I believe I've got about 12 to 15 different cities that I'm hitting. So I'm like Cleveland, Ohio, Flint, Michigan, Milwaukee, Indiana, Dunes, Denver, Omaha, Nebraska, Salt Lake City, Portland, Seattle, Bend, Oregon. San Jose. So I've got this whole, I, I've got it on my website. So I just, is it cool if I share well, that? We'll, like, we'll but, do that. And I also want to say, oh, this, okay. is, this is evergreen. So, you know, it'll be archived with the podcast. So we're July 9th, 2022. If you're hearing this at some time uh, later, Sarah may be in Athens or Australia, but we'll have her <laughs> website in the uh, show notes as well so that people can keep up with you since it's not live you know I, I yeah of course of course want somebody disappointed waiting for you somewhere hey i i'm gonna be doing this for a while i'm gonna be doing this for as long as i can financially support myself and physically do it because it's not it definitely is a little physically task taxing mm-hmm. living in a school bus um so as long as i can as long as i can i will be making trips around the country so already and if you're in dallas fort worth please please let me know because i'd love to connect with you in person give yes. them that. i would love that give them that website social media whatever yes. you want to share and then i'll have okay. one final question for you before okay we Okay, so if you are interested in booking or just reading more about my mission, um, you can do so on my website. It is www.bootybus, thebootybus.com. So the B-O-U-D-I-E.com. That's my website. And then if you'd like to see my portfolio or hit me up on social media, I am Big Booty Bus. So big B-O-U-D-I-E, booty like boudoir, bus on Instagram. Got it. On IG. Final question. Describe yourself in three words. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love that reaction. This has never happened to me. Ah! Wow. Okay.
Okay. Okay. Positive, <laughs> exuberant, and positive, exuberant, and and motivated. Sweet. Thank yeah, you, Sarah. That's me. All right. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. And wasn't that a great program? Oh, love that episode. I enjoyed it. I hope you did too. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share. Learn more about me on my website, drmoanderson.com. That's M-O-E. You can read book excerpts, watch videos, learn about my services that I offer, and book me for a speaking engagement. I'd love to talk with your group, and I'd love to work with you. So until the next time, review, renew, and re-you. Thank you.